Hey everybody, this is the official Screenwriting Podcast. I'm Adam Levenberg. This week, we're going to be talking about Thor The Dark World. I'm here uh, as not all, as always, but as sometimes with Jeff Sussman of The Bat Signal. Jeff, how are you? I'm doing fine. It was, it was a dark world, but we survived it. Absolutely. So first off, I want to let listeners know that I noticed today there was a problem with the iTunes uh, there's only 10 episodes of the official screenwriting podcast right now on there. So if you, I'm going to work with iTunes to figure that out because there's 30 episodes of the show. So if you've come aboard in the last 10 episodes and want to listen, uh, you can go to officialscreenwriting.com. All the episodes are up there. You can download them from the site. You can listen to them on the site, or perhaps by the time people listen to this, they will be back and available on iTunes. So there's more to listen to. Uh, the starter screenplay is available on Kindle, uh, lowest price ever at amazon.com if you want it in print. And if you want to read more about my consulting services, officialscreenwriting.com, there's a higher Adam page and uh, I'll read your script. We'll talk about it on the phone. I'll give you some notes and you'll be good to go. All right, Jeff. So we, we're going to talk immediately about Thor, which I'm really happy that I got to see um, because I had not seen the film. In Are theaters. you happy? Yeah, because well, I'm here's what I'm happy. About. You don't love. I'm happy that um, that I finally got to see the first Thor because I hadn't seen it, and I really I got to see it two nights ago, and I really enjoyed it. I'm a huge Kenneth Branagh fan. I've talked about that again on the podcast. It's one of my a, favorite movies ever. You're not a big superhero guy, right? I'm absolutely not. Um, and that's fair for you to address that as you talk about it because it is a Marvel movie. Which I have enjoyed to you know varying degrees. I haven't seen the Avengers yet. I think I'm going to see Captain America first, then I'll see the Avengers. But um, I think a lot of your listeners are probably going to be their minds are going to be blown that you haven't seen the Avengers yet. But well, I, why would I see the Avengers if I hadn't yet seen Thor or Captain America? Yeah, or, that's that's great of you to have that appreciation I'm, for it. No, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, they, you know, it was released in an order for a reason. Marvel doesn't. I hadn't good even job. seen Iron, an Iron Man three came after, so I hadn't even. Uh, I'd only seen the first Iron Man, so I really didn't have any compulsion to uh, to make it to the Avengers when it came out. But um, now that I sort of know the world and know the characters, I'm a lot more excited about seeing it. Uh, so I will knock off Captain America. But so you, you liked Thor. You, you liked Thor. The, the, the first, first one, one I thought yeah. was terrific. I do. Um, it's funny, right? It's really funny, and to me, the most interesting thing, you know, a lot of people say, well, he's a difficult character because he's kind of a jerk, and, you know, he's an, he's an asshole, basically, and he's got an ego on him, but that actually makes him a much more interesting and volatile character, and I would have liked to have seen them play with that more, which in the second one, they didn't, but I, I first want to stick to talking about the first one a little bit. Um, the thing that struck me was how compact the story was, which I'll always take that. I really like the simplicity of um, of the shorter films and uh, films where the scope is not as large so that you can you know focus on the hero getting in and out of tight situations. Um, I like that you took a god and took his powers away. That's something that usually happens in sequels where they take the powers or whatever's been achieved away. I really enjoyed watching that character and thought it was really funny. Um, the Crocodile Dundee humor, if you will, worked best for me when he goes into a pet store and says, I need a horse. Um, it's somebody who completely doesn't understand culture, and you can have a lot of fun watching that person. And, and there's only a couple things you can do with them. You can watch them eat. You can watch them dealing with children. You can watch them... Um, well, what are, what are, in relationships. 
Yeah, that that too. Um, romance, oh, romance, which to me was really can amusing. they be part? Can they be part of a like a human family, like in the case of Superman? Or well, they're or playing Thor. with that question in the Thor series at this point. I mean, that's that's the other thing that's so interesting about this character. But I, I guess that's true of all superhero film uh, stories that you tried to put on screen, which is how do you have this person relate to relationships? Well, the th- and and the, the thing you know. Regarding your average comic book character and why Thor is different, Thor being a god and so much of it taking place in other universes or universi or you know galaxies, worlds, realms. <laughs> the point is, it's more like Clash of the Titans than a real classic, you know, American superhero story where it's about this guy who is special in certain ways. He's depended on by so many, yet really can't relate to them on the most fundamental ways. There's something that makes him different. You know, his, his parents were killed in front of his face. No one can really understand him. He's from another planet. He's the only one like this. No one can really understand him. And watching him inter- interact with humans and seeing how that, you know, like you said, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I, I think, again, to me, the the element in Thor that worked for me was him being a god. But again, the greatest moment is when he says, you know, the coffee's delicious, I'll have another, and smashes it. That's the highlight of the film, to me at least. My it's point that is, didn't it hurt this sequel? You know, we're, I, not, we're not jumping to the sequel yet. Well, I, you know. Um, the, <laughs> the... I'm just saying, watching him interact in the human world is way more interesting. That's, what sup- that's what's special about well, superhero stories. How about this? Stories. It's funnier. It, it leads... Yeah, it just becomes very serious. You know, it's, it's awesome to see him in, you know, in Asgard and everything, but... But the first film didn't show him in Asgard as much. It showed him on Earth. There were things we we would occasionally cut back to his home planet to see what was going on with the supporting character storylines. But most of the film, Thor takes place on Earth, and that's where the, you know, um, it's the best part. It's the funniest part, and it's the from a character perspective the most interesting. Um, but you know, the thing that doesn't work in the film in the first film is the love story. And this gets to the closest thing to a screenwriting lesson that there is to learn from Thor, because the the problems with the love story in the first Thor are sort of, I guess, apparent to anybody who sees it. She's really into him. He's really into her. The film takes place in three days, and they're madly in love to the extent that at the end of uh, Thor, where they you think they're never going to be able to see each other again, um, it's this huge crisis of, of the heart for him when, again, they just met three days ago. And th- that problem, or the, the fundamental... It's not a mismatch between these two, which is sometimes the case with romantic She's comedies. nobody. She's a terrible character. Well, Compared again, to Lois Lane or even Vicki Vale. I mean... Well, the, here's where the challenge for a writer becomes then. The challenge is... It's easy to say, well, the, the character's terrible. But w- what we can do is we can focus on, well, w- who is the character? Because sometimes, again, there is that fundamental mismatch where either through actor chemistry or just the types of characters that are written, they don't quite match up. That's not the case here. You don't look at this character played by Natalie Portman and say, wow, he would be disgusted and whatever like you get that there's the physical attraction but physical attraction is something that writers don't really have to worry about because all the people who are going to be playing these lead characters are going to be very very i'll use the the g-rated term attractive um (laughs) so so you have to take it to the next step um you have to look at what makes this character special what are they an expert at what do they do and that's usually an occupation what was vicky vale what was her job she was a, a, photo, a photojournalist. Photojournalist. Isn't that even a little bit dangerous? It's a very Lois Lane-like as well. Of course. It's, it's, it's more... What about Spider-Man has Mary Jane Watson? She's, she's an actress. I mean... 
And that she's really a, isn't as interesting, is it? The reason she's in jeopardy most of the time is because the villains know that Peter Parker is Spider-Man. It's so much it, more down-to-earth, the Spider-Man story. It's not about down-to-earth. Most, most of the Marvel take, take, is. Take a step back. So the fact is that Mary Jane is not as interesting as Lois Lane. And, and she's not, not even, even as interesting as Vicki Vale. No, um, not even close. And that's why. Because the character... So you have a couple of things. You have the physical beauty. You have the occupation and then you have to give them some sort of behavior some sort of interesting thing that the character and it could be um something that a lot of that the character might not like about themselves something that's adorable something or something just good about them we never see a moment where thor sees something in jane's humanity something that he can appreciate that he couldn't quite get if he was just um you know, rolling with all the women up on uh, in Asgard. Like he just, he just spends enough time staring into her eyes in the first time. But meet, where is the human element? He doesn't see her pick up a kid who's crying at the mall and help them find their mom, you know, or something like that, where, where she's giving of herself. And that spirit is what a character can fall in love with. And again... Like Clark Clark loves about Lois Lane when he first starts working at the Daily Planet that she kind of adopts him and kind of is like, come on, Clark, stand up straight, do this and that. And, he, you know, it makes him feel... Well, I mean, that that right there, you're getting... She's domineering over him and he seems to want that, which, kind of like, you know, that's, fits in that's with That's a layer the, I never even thought of. Yeah. But. No, I mean, Clark Kent likes being dominated, He, which is something that a lot of powerful people, like, that's the flip side for them. And that makes Lois Lane interesting to him, because otherwise, all these other women, you know, um, don't necessarily have that control. And if he's got to be, you know, on top of the world, somebody else has to... She's tough. She's, yeah, you know, that's, she's unpredictable. That's what makes her interesting she's to him. funny. Funny is another big thing. Um, I, you know, Natalie Portman's character is kind of funny in the first Thor. So is Catwoman in Batman. Uh, yeah, and that's again, Catwoman has physical strength though. You know, she can go toe to toe physically with Batman, which is ma- what makes her also a challenging, in an interesting way, partner for him. But you know, again, you want to you want to sort of endow a character in any sort of relationship. Um, you want to endow love interests with a specific job, with a a quality that the other character sees about them and really likes, a side of them maybe that other people don't see. Um, sometimes in movies, characters will observe other characters. And one way you can play that scene is to, I'm, I'm struggling to think of an example of it, but often... Um, especially with female characters, they're being watched where they don't know they're being watched. So that's something that your your hero can see your character doing something that other people don't aren't watching or they don't know that they're being watched. And that action then, when you see them on their own doing something, means so much more. And it tells us so much more about them and it sort of makes us laugh at the idea of the things, you know, that we uh, do and have those moments and stuff um, that are essentially private but are being, ex- you know, exposed uh, in the in the course of the story. So she, She's, bo- I mean, this the Jane character is just, she's just boring. Even, we're not even charmed by her as, forget, why is Thor not, I'm not charmed by her. She's just walking around, there's nothing particular, she's just so enamored with Thor, she's, well, and there's the second point that we can talk about real quickly, which is that 
she's immediately enamored. Um, and that's that, that doesn't work. The, when I saw the film Batman Forever, I immediately knew that there was something wrong within minutes. It took the rest of you people until Batman and Robin to say, hey, these Batman films, you know, the, uh, the Schumacher versions don't work. Not and me. I happen to really like... Joel Schumacher, a lot of his filmography. I celebrate Cousins is one of my favorite romantic comedies ever. But I don't think the Batman films work that he did. And the I was did immediately he falling down. Yes, he did. And The Lost Boys and A Time to Kill. And, you know, there were some really good Schumacher films and Cousins, one of my favorite romantic comedies ever. But the thing that didn't work immediately was that Nicole Kidman was transfixed by um, by Batman. Immediately. From the first second. She was, and I refer to her as, you know, we had Batgirl, we had Catwoman. This was Bat-slut. Her first, she was her amu- first line is hot entrance. She's enamored by him. That's where the character starts. And that's so uninteresting. Um, usually it's the, the way that these stories operate is that the characters are physically attracted to each other. But they are in opposition to each other in terms of what their goals are. So they have this, it's the magnets pushing and pulling. And that's what makes for great romantic chemistry in a film. Um, It's that heat that's generated when you have two characters who see each other and are like, hell yes, but are so dynamically opposed to each other and what they're trying to do and what they're about that it creates conflict and i think that that's um a quality that was just the the rug was pulled under from in the equation with nicole kidman at the beginning of batman forever and of course nothing else in that film worked for me so two i thought batman forever was so atrocious that by the time batman and robin came around it was so ridiculous that i thought early this, on i, I could jim carrey has good moments it. until he becomes the rhythm you know what it's not as funny as pick your jim carrey film of i'm the not period. a batman forever fan i just i think it's better than Batman and Robin, but I, I, the thing is that it has some things that are somewhat interesting about it. So that, that's why I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, uh, I would, ca- I, I call, I called it really early not, on. I call, I called it early on that the Schumacher Batman vision just didn't work. I please. I hate it. I hate, don't get me started. This, this show is not about that. You like Batman forever. Uh, I, I didn't, I don't, compl- you know what? We are all entitled. Hate, I don't completely hate Batman. Forever, we are all entitled I like to like terrible. Batman returns is my, of that, of that era. Batman returns, I think is probably the best one. But. I, I don't know. Um, I, I think the Joker is interesting enough that it sort of kills, uh, any of those. It's the, the first one is the best of the four. Yeah. Listen, I, I, it's, it's close. Batman returns. It's of course dumb. I agree that the Nolan films are on a completely different level. There's no, yeah, I mean, it's no, no not even all right. Apparent. Um, so we've talked a little bit about the relationships in Thor, the dark world. I do agree that things become less dynamic. They're certainly less funny. We don't have really funny moments with Thor on Asgard or when he goes into battle. There are a lot of storylines. I felt like I was almost watching Downton Abbey. That's what it, it was cool. I mean, it was good, but it does, doesn't feel like a super, I don't even know who I didn't used to read Thor, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't know who reads Thor. I, it's interesting, but when he goes to other planets and stuff, that to me is not even... Yeah, you're waiting for it to come back to the human element. And again, the critics love this Why movie. do we need Thor? What does he protect us from? And then as far as Thor's perspective, what's in it? Why does he do it? You know, and how... It's hard, Here's my it's prediction. hard for him to be amongst us, but he sacrifices it to help. Let, and, let me give you a big prediction on Thor, because as I was watching it, I said, you it's know It's wish what? fulfillment for geeks, you know, the, yeah, but you could say that about any 
of those movies. There's You can say that about any Marvel film. So here's what I think is going on here. Because, again, Thor was a really... Um, a really uh, small film in terms of its scope. It takes place in like two square blocks of a new Me- city in New Mexico. That's what was great about it. Um, it's a little weird that it only takes place in a small. But I agree. It but it small... there's enough other stories operating on the periphery. What happened in the stories on the periphery in this one sort of multiplied. Where I was looking at it, and I was like, "Wow, they really didn't have a lot of shooting days." Thor almost got lost in his own movie at times, and. Um, I think that because so much of what was going on in the in the first one, those storylines that took place back on Asgard at least seemed to really relate to Thor a lot more than they did at this point, where you you have other um, other factors in at play in what in terms of what the characters are doing, and Thor is more or less trying to stop other things from happening. Yeah. So, um, but I do think with if we look at the first one, it's very much a sort of standalone film in its own way this one is sort of bridging into a series and i think what's interesting about thor that's a little bit different than iron man is that i don't think that there's a quote thor trilogy that's operating i'm looking at thor at this no point way no there isn't far closer to a game of thrones no, they don't even or do a, i'm surprised that they they kind of turned out iron man decided to close it off sort of as a as a trilogy and we know they're probably they're going to make more but Iron Man three felt like the end of uh, well, that's Dark that's story. what I that's why I was making the point about Thor that I they're I'm, not doing that with Thor. It feels more like a comic well, book. Well, it's there could be before our eyes. It it has the Downton Abbey where uh, pace and you know the thing about Downton Abbey that's so interesting is that it's a series that's predicated or it's it's based in the 1920s and you think it's going to be really old school or actually started off in the 1910s um but you think it's going to be really old school but it moves so quickly every scene is like 45 seconds to a minute and i felt like we were hitting that a little bit in this film where things just started speeding up and the every character sort of had its own storyline um down to her assistant getting her own love story uh, it, it was incredibly splintered. So I think that we're going to see that happening more and more where the Thor character and perhaps the love interest, you know, my guess is they'll end up married in the next one. And then we can see in the next one what Thor the father is like. And then we'll see, like, maybe when he's a single dad getting custody on weekends, what that'll be about, you know, right. eight years from now. I'm I'm kidding. I don't think we'll end up there. But um, I mean, it's who cares? I don't care anything about Jane and Thor. I, it doesn't mean again, it, it's not a function of the movie for me because this is a screenwriting podcast. It is because of those little tiny moments, because a lot of times writers will get confused and they'll say, well, they'll think of it as more of a personality thing or that we have to do this at 18 different points. No, you have to show, have one scene, one moment where Thor um, sees her doing something that's good for the world and he smiles or it's just you know, not fun like Superman. There's no secret disguise. It's just not. It was this this movie. This, I enjoy watching these movies. The, I, I also enjoyed the first one more, and because of the same reasons that you said, it's fun. I mean, it's funny. Yeah, but you know, I, it's I don't I don't fully get like what is it about Thor that makes him? These are your existential Thor issues, and not screenwriting issues. Well, I'm not, well, so how how could that have worked better in the movie? Because I, I did you feel like Thor had any real growth or change of, of heart or personality in this movie that made, made you no think because they can't and th- that's another challenge that, i mean I, I don't want to get too much into that because that's a challenge of dealing with sequels and most of the people you know who, who listen to the podcast don't have franchises yet so the the issues of what you do to make a character interesting 
are um, there's only a couple things you can do. And we've talked about this on the podcast, which is there's only six types of character arcs, according to John Truby. And you have to pick one of them and go with it. And sometimes they'll have the same story all over again, which is what the new Star Trek did. I mean, essentially sent the character back to square one. Um, in, in the case of Thor, I don't think they had an answer. Well, I mean, or he, whatever he, he the lost, answer, he lost family, multiple family members in this movie. That doesn't. That's not a character arc. No, but and it should, shouldn't how he reacts to that be a, a, a bigger function of the story? I mean, that's, if that's, anything, that's, it should have shown of, it. Maybe where they could have gone is showing Thor on a darker path or on a that's what, well, that's what on I'm a saying. path to madness because he essentially has to sort of keep his life in check. Um, but not, I need an interesting character. That's what I mean. That's something they're making the conflict completely external then, which is, you know, that well, I don't want to give away the ending. So, but it, it comes to a place where he ends up pretty much like where he did the last time. And I agree that if there's anything about this movie that maybe doesn't work the most, it's that they don't give that to Thor. However, you know, I think the most important thing being that we've, we've criticized some elements of it, this film is pretty amazing. This is a $200 million film, and a lot of it is up there. You're looking at just sights and imagery that you are paying quite a bit of good oh, money it's cool. to do. It's cool. And well, How is uh, it a superhero it, movie? Although I did think there were a couple of green screen shots that I sort of disagreed with, where sometimes I felt like... Um, I felt like the, the, you know, there's... In some of these movies, there's an effect or two that get a little wacky that don't quite work and where it feels like okay that's a really obvious green screen shot and i i felt that a couple of times uh in this one now again i'm actually used to watching a lot of stuff at lower resolution on netflix so th- to see it on the big screen it sort of uh adds attention to that yeah it's it's pretty it's, it's hugely ambitious and all this you know everything on ours got on asgard looked great yeah absolutely beautiful, you know so th- that is all for this week, Jeff. How is he really a superhero? <laughs> he's among, he's among, but he's among other gods. We're wrapping it up because the- gods and kings. It's not a real superhero story. I don't really understand Thor. What, what were the comics like that? That's a whole other thing, you know. It's a whole other thing, and that that's not the kind of thing that I tend to get into on this show because to me, it's I'm I'm always looking at the the elements of what they do in order to meet specific challenges in terms of the movie itself but there's a lot of issues with the character and again i think it just boils down to thor is most interesting and funniest when he's the fish out of water and it's, okay but they made her the fish out of the water in this movie but there was nothing to do there and maybe no, that, there was she met his parents but then she had that she definitely had one or one good reaction for each parent oh you're his dad oh you're his mom let me step away from him but they didn't explore that. Maybe the idea that the parents wouldn't approve that she was of Earth, you know? You know, and why didn't we have a scene? I think this would get to... No, I thought you were done. We got to go. We can talk about this, which is that there's no um, there's no scene where it's the, no meet the parents type dinner. They never put her in situations where her failings and shortcomings as a human are, are um, in play in terms of her unsuitability for him. She's very comfortable being there amongst the gods. Um, And I think that that ends up being, again, just not as interesting as it possibly could have been. And that you're always weighing, you know, sort of weighing these against the demands of the storyline. But to me, the human elements often become the most interesting. And I think that even if the film had to have been three minutes longer, 
a whole three minutes, um, that meet the parents dinner scene would have been, I think, very much appreciated. Yeah, that that it will fl- flip the script. I mean, the first one's about him feeling uncomfortable in our world. So if you're going to bring her to his world, then you have to explore like, what's weird about having her there. No one even talked about it. She was like, oh, I want you to meet this guy over here. And the guy's like, hi. And then he flies away. <laughs> you know? It, it, they don't. Pull, they don't even play the card. That's the that's my issue with the well, film. Well, that, that's where the movie would lie, and some of interest to me. Because then you, you could know. say, "Well, I don't that's know that I want to really the parents' sh- like dinner scene. I don't. Uh, I, I don't want. You know, that's too hacky. That's too not of this type of character, but um, or, or of the character of the type of film that we're trying to make. But then you look to still satisfy that in other ways." And the film didn't look to do that at all. Still, though, it's a film that if you like the Marvel films, it is a must-see. And I understand why 93% of critics really like it. Uh, And audiences really like it also. It's a huge worldwide hit. He doesn't wear the helmet in the movie. That's one thing. No, that's really interesting. He only wears it once in the first movie. And Wolverine never wears the mask in X-Men. Seven seven movies or whatever it is. But anyway, thanks for having having me. uh, No problem. You can follow me on Twitter, at SusMe. If you, Jeff Sussman, check out uh, check out my videos on YouTube. Comic Sus, it's at Sussme, S-U-S-S-M-E. And do you have anything you'd like to promote? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, there's lots to promote if you just go to that Twitter handle and you can you can read all about it. All right, I'm Adam Levenberg. I will be back next week with discussions about another movie. I don't know which one it's going to be yet. I don't know. We'll see. What's your? Uh, Stay tuned. You don't like to give your info. You don't. Do you have a twit? Do you do the Twitter? I do do the Twitter. Starter script on Twitter. It's your show, man. I I thought I had promoted everything. I had promoted my 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 book, my screenwriting services. Now I've done Twitter. Is there anything else? Uh, no. Can I ask you? Is this your hamster? <laughs> His name is Bunky. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thor two. It's pretty good. I'll be back next week. Thanks. <laughs>